everyone. It's uh, rich and my pleasure to, to uh, bring Paul Taylor to all of you. Uh, today is uh, April the 2nd. Hard to remember what day of the week it is uh, uh, with everything going on. I have to apologize. I didn't shave for the last six days, so that's what you get. Uh, Paul is the uh, CEO and President of Mortgage Professionals Canada. For those of you who don't know, uh, Mortgage Professionals Canada represents about 12,000 uh, of our members across the country, as well as over 1,000 companies. So uh, really is a uh, national association that's really important to us. So very, very uh, pleased and proud to have Paul with us here today. Yeah, thanks. So it's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks, Paul. Um, so if someone doesn't know uh, Paul and, and his role with MPC, Paul, Paul has a unique um, advantage or pleasure to sit down with all these government organizations like CMHC, Ministry of Finance, Bank of Canada, OSFI, and really gets to have a lot of conversations behind the scene uh, about all of these initiatives that we keep seeing today, subsidies, uh, the change in the mortgage-backed security rules. Um, and so, Paul, I'm really excited that you're here to share some of that with, with our brokers. Um, so just my first question would be overall, what do those conversations look like? Um, you know, who have you spoken to so far? Um, and just your general um, ideas about the, those conversations. Sure. Thanks, Rich. So um, we have uh, pretty standing regular meetings, actually, in normal times anyway, with Bank of Canada, CMHC, uh, the Ministry of Finance, probably Canadian Ministry of Finance, probably more than uh, others, um, as well as OSFI. And I think it just gives us a really good perspective on what each of them consider their mandate to be. Um, in the last month, um, in, if I'm really honest, I've tried to stay out of the way of some of the most senior folks in each of those respective places because they will have their hands full and, and have an awful lot of considerations to uh, make. Uh, this is an international problem for sure. So finance will be working with the International Monetary Fund to ensure that we've got liquidity to um, be able to continue to leverage our own AAA rating. Uh, we are definitely going to take on more debt for the sake of support for the nation in the next short little while. Um, and then OSFI has a mandate to ensure that the banks are solvent and that depositors' money is protected. That really is sort of its entire raison d'etre. They have made an awful lot of adjustments, though, to the guidelines for uh, federally regulated banks anyway and how they are to manage their money in current times, understanding that there's a significant need for additional uh, credit in the marketplace. There's a lot of businesses and individuals that are struggling that will need access to that to sort of keep their cash flow positions healthy. Um, Ministry of Finance is very supportive of that. I know that they're working in lockstep. CMHC additionally as a crown corporation is very much trying to ensure that there's liquidity and support for uh, banks. I think it's been discussed by a number of your uh, previous guests actually the IMPP program that has been reintroduced at currently $150 billion really does ensure that the banks have got somewhere to put their mortgage mortgages into uh, mortgage-backed security products the government of Canada through CMHC effectively is taking on the risk of those loans and by buying them, they're providing funding back to the banks to uh, assist the liquidity position to continue to fund uh, other mortgages going forward and, and service products. OSFI's reduction in the 
domestic stability buffer requirement from 2.25% to one is also a $300 billion liquidity move. Um, and that actually was made with direction from OSFI and some communication from finance that that money once freed up was really meant to be used to advance additional lines of credit to some of the struggling businesses, given the depletion in revenues and uh, staffing expenses and such. We understand, I think, nationally that there are going to be challenges that certain business segments face. When you tell everybody to stay home, consumers aren't out in the marketplace spending money on meals or movies or even groceries probably um, have gone down a little bit. And so that has significant knock-on effects to the employees of those specific businesses, but also then the suppliers of those businesses, um, and in concentric circles really to start to, to knock our economy about. So it's with that sort of level of understanding that all of the parties at the federal level are working together to try to ensure that there's confident messages about the government of Canada thinking we will recover from this quite shortly, and we will take on the risk of the um, short-term credit that needs to be extended to some of these businesses, even though in normal times, their uh, cash flow position would probably not see them worthy of the credit extension. But considering what's happening, and because we're actually government mandated to block away, it's also critically important government is seen to be supporting folks and the, the economic flows through this period. So thanks, Paul. I, I appreciate it. I would disagree with you about the groceries because I think I've eaten every second hour on the hour. Um, but uh, just a little bit more about that liquidity, because I know when we were warming up for this call, you, you were explaining it to me and it was it was really good is um, the, the reserve levels of lenders, the government dropped the requirements for, for lenders from 2.5 to, to 1.5 and that frees up cash for them to, to put out. And my first question was, you, does that mean lenders will actually follow suit and really actually put out that cash, right? Because the environment has changed. Uh, and you said, yes, of course they would. So just expand on that a little bit. Uh, we providing our lenders with liquidity, which is great. Um, will they put that money out because they have it? Uh, yeah, I think they will. I mean, the alternative is to just start to call in bad loans. And then you effectively force some businesses to go bankrupt and the likelihood of you recovering what's been extended is significantly reduced. So um, they're actually supporting the long-term financial position by also having this additional capital to continue to support those businesses through this period so that they will have a far better likelihood of recovering credit extended in the marketplace in three, six months time. Um, it really is, again, another indication by the federal level folks that we understand we're in very strange economic times now businesses that were previously thriving however effectively just had their legs cut out but we do anticipate that when marketplace returns to normal those businesses will be once again incredibly viable and so when you take that 300 billion dollars and you sort of spread it across all of the rotating lines of credit that businesses may be having it probably equates to something like a a certain percentage of additional extended credit. Your business had $100,000 in the past. You might now find that the bank has given you 125 or 150 as necessary. Um, but those businesses in previous times, a good number of them probably would have uh, already qualified for an extension of credit in the event that they just applied for it. So um, it's definitely the right thing to do. And these are OSFI, as I said, its mandate is to ensure that depositors' money is safeguarded. Um, they will have made very prudent 
decisions around risk modeling when they made that announcement to reduce uh, the domestic stability buffer from 2.25 to 1 in the first place. Um, and they will also have had an awful lot of discussions with the banks before that announcement was actually made public so that the banks would have an understanding of where OSFI expected that capital to actually be applied. Hey, Paul, in that same vein, you know, a lot of brokers, I think, continuously reach out to uh, both Rich and I and, and others about um, this difficulty in understanding where interest rates are going, uh, especially on mortgage rates. Um, we've had a few guests <clears throat> talk about um, the variance in that. Yeah, but, but, you know, I think it's always nice to sort of get yet again someone else's perspective on, on your take. Yeah. Uh, perhaps you can just give us a little bit of, of your thoughts around that. Yeah, so I, I, I'm not a trader, so I have a much more simplistic view of uh, how to explain this. I think both Mark Aldridge and uh, Jason Ellis actually have heard them both give this explanation now. Uh, they do this day in, day out, so they absolutely understand the mechanism. The, the way that I would talk through it is the marketplace has changed dramatically. And so if you pretend for a moment that you're a lender and you invest only in mortgages, uh, last year, I think you'd have been very comfortable that that 25, 26 basis point arrears rate we're enjoying in Canada would continue into the future. And we were very comfortable with that. Given today's climate with the number of people finding themselves temporarily out of work or laid off, I think you'd be far less confident that that arrears rate was going to stay that low. So if there is going to be more volatility and potential arrears, then you as an investor would want a risk premium on the money you are lending out. I think it's there's an awful lot of mechanisms in the background, but the, the simplest way I would equate it is if I think I'm going to be investing money with a higher propensity of losing on you know a portion of the portfolio, I'm going to want a higher return. And so while the Bank of Canada is reducing rates to try to keep that cost of borrowing lower, investor appetite is taking that margin and then some because they're seeing a different propensity for an outcome in the marketplace. And that's occurring really because you've, you're seeing these uh, employment numbers falling and you're seeing wild swings in the marketplace. TSX is up and down by a thousand points some days in the last couple of weeks. Um, that volatility also speaks to risk and investors generally will either take their money out or require a greater return if they're leaving it in, in that kind of a time. So until the marketplace returns closer to an equilibrium, or until we find that people are able to go back to work again and those businesses can recover, I think you're going to still continue to see a bit of a spread between the Bank of Canada rate and the street rate for mortgages. But it, it will come back in line with a, a more traditional spread. It depends how quickly we get through this, though. I think you might be looking at you know six to nine months before it comes back to what people are used to. And I think, yeah, and I think that's important because I, I see a lot of stuff on social media about lenders gouging customers, taking advantage of a, of a difficult situation. But I think that the truth is that it's not the case, that it is uh, investor driven uh, and market driven. So it's, it's not lenders, you know, trying to take more money from consumers at this point. So no. cost of capital is ultimately always driven by investor appetite. I have to take all of the levels of complexity out about, you know, um, trading flaws and bankers acceptances and all of that stuff. Ultimately, you're left with somebody taking a risk with their capital and investing it in something else. And the, the cost of capital is always driven by an investor's risk perception. So thanks. Thanks for that, Paul. Um, 
Changing it just a little bit, uh, you know, I've had a lot of questions around, you know, the economies uh, faced a financial crisis in 2008, and people are trying to understand the difference between what happened in 2008 to what's happening now. So um, can you share your thoughts on that and and a little bit on that? Yeah, for sure. I I think while we are seeming um, or seeing an awful lot of the same sort of mechanisms to attempt to add liquidity back into the marketplace, I think we're in a, a very, very different place now. Um, the issue in 2007, 2008 is that lending was incredibly lax and credit was extended to an awful lot of people who in today's uh, perception probably shouldn't have been afforded the loans that they were given. And then when there needed to be an exit from the marketplace because it was a bit of a stall in real estate, there was a calamitous collapse because there was a glut of oversupply and that created um, problems. We have a very different problem now. Um, Businesses are closing because government is telling people that they have to stay at home. And the people that have lost their job through this aren't really able to find another job because the entire industry segment they're in is closed. So they can't leave the restaurant they're at and try and work in another restaurant because there's just no other restaurant to go to. Um, We're having a significant pause in people's income earning capacity by virtue of these businesses that are dependent upon people spending money in them continuing. Uh, It's not going to last forever, that's for sure, but we are almost societally required now to stay indoors. And so that's going to have an awful lot of impact on any of the businesses really that require kind of the social interaction to be successful. I think that There's an awful lot of lessons learned through the financial crisis, though, to the uh, federal government and the provincial government's um, credit. They've moved very, very quickly, understanding that there's going to be liquidity issues. There's an awful lot of people, if in the absence of any support by the federal government, because of what's happening with employment, the appetite of a lot of investors to issue credit into the marketplace just wouldn't be there. So it's critically important that the government is saying, and as much as it can, we're going to take on that risk and we'll ensure that money can continue to be issued. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the lessons from that time have been employed now and they've acted very, very quickly to try to ensure that that money's there. But I think the, uh, the economic reality is really quite different and the recovery from this will also be really quite different. Paul, in light of all the uncertainty around us, what, what should, your members be expecting of the association? You know, I think they're looking for leadership. What, what sort of leadership should they be looking for? Um, uh, mortgage professionals, candidate yourself. Uh, that's a great question, Don. So we have um, three or four traditional operating pillars through which we try to provide value to our members. So government relations and uh, regulatory relations is definitely one of our traditional key pillars. Providing education is another, uh, running industry events, and assisting with communication through all channels. Uh, MPC is unique in that we have members from each classification of business through the mortgage broker origination channel. So we have a number of lenders that are members of ours. In fact, I think probably every lender that supports broker origination directly belongs to our, our organization. Each of the mortgage insurers also belong. Um, and there are other industry service providers in addition to the folks that make up the largest footprint by headcount by far are the brokers and agents across the country. But because we've got 
the entire channel represented, we have really good perspective on whenever there's a change, how it's impacting any sort of individual layer. And we generally try to assist to keep business flowing as best we can and manage communication layers also. Now in the, in the current environment, um, we can't run events because we can't have social gathering. We are likely going to focus more in the short run on providing education and really trying to coordinate communication in the industry back out to the membership at large. I'm sure that uh, individual practitioners out there are probably, and you guys, are probably inundated by communications from lenders about processes that they're changing, um, the pricing models are shifting as well. Um, service providers like FCT and FNF, uh, Phylogix, Equifax, there are questions about everybody's business practice today. So if we can create uh, sort of one-stop shop of locations to go to to get accurate, up-to-date information, then that's certainly a service we can uh, try to work towards. Now, it's that's more difficult than creating a centralized hub that provides a listing of what the government is offering as support. So yesterday, we, uh, we've been building for a short while, actually, a, a site page that talks specifically about the various levels of uh, income supplement programs that the government has provided. I think probably a vast number of members actually don't qualify for EI, but there are new programs that have been developed specifically to assist uh, those that don't qualify for EI get some income continuation through this period. And there's a listing of those on our website currently. There's also support specifically for businesses. So if you're incorporated, uh, there are things that will assist you with tax deferrals. Um, so in the short run, your cash flow position will be a little healthier, hopefully. There's also uh, things to assist with the expense of managing your employees' salaries as well. Um, so I don't, I don't wanna get into the details necessarily of all of those, but if you visit our website, we've got a roster of all of the things that potentially you could avail yourselves of if you're feeling a bit of a financial pinch now because of the business environment that we're in. Um, if anybody's got any questions at all about, you know, what a particular position of a lender or a service provider is, we're always happy to field those. We do have uh, a few email addresses of queues of staff. So there's an education at MPC, there's a membership at MPC address. Um, feel free to reach out to us. But we'll be doing our best to coordinate uh, up to the minute email addresses where they're necessary so we can get immediate information into people's inboxes, as well as create resources for communication on our site. So we've got uh, authoritative and updated information about um, what our members can help themselves with, really. We also, of course, continue to, um, government relations really has been kind of our watchword mandate probably since I joined. I think the introduction to insured stress test at the end of 16 sort of repositioned our organization to, to almost having to become the, uh, the industry voice in those segments. And we have national relationships at the provincial regulatory level as well. So I actually have a conference call every Friday now with the Mortgage Brokers Regulatory Council of Canada. That's the body that's made up of each of the provincial licensing regulatory bodies. And we just talk about challenges that we're seeing in the marketplace and how the regulators themselves actually might be able to assist in the overall um, business arena we're in too. So 
I, I trying to be a bit of a, and the association is trying to be a conduit of information from the industry up to government and regulatory bodies and back again. Um, so if we're a kind of a conduit for information. I think that's really important for us in the short run too. Yeah. And you've done a great job of it, Paul. We really appreciate everything you and MPC uh, are doing. You should live stream that, uh, that meeting you have every Friday. I'm sure the, I feel like they would say less. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, if you don't have anything else, I just want Paul, I really want to thank you for your time today and, and everything you're doing. And uh, we really appreciate all this information. Thank you. I, you know what? I very much appreciate it too. And honestly, for the members that are out there, it's, we are an association. The members belong to us, but we belong to them. It's very much a, it's kind of a circular relationship. If there are things that you would like to see us doing, please reach out and tell me. Um, we have a ton of able staff, very, very capable people. I'm actually, I'm remarkably fortunate that we've got the team that we do internally. Um, but also there are volunteer members within our organization that have been bringing tremendous value for an awful lot of time as well. And so I'd be totally remiss if I didn't thank the folks that are brokers, lenders, insurers that are also contributing their time voluntarily to the initiatives that we're putting together. So um, thank you very much indeed to all of you out there that have assisted in any way in the last four, seven months. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks, Don.